This is Tony Silva in Osaka. Charles Wiz in the Osaka region. I feel like I'm moving around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> this is uh, episode 27, Two Teachers Talking. Uh, Charles and I get together and talk about teaching. Uh, what works, what doesn't, uh, things that confuse us. And um, we're talking about uh, problem kids or kids who don't belong in our classrooms or whatever the PC euphemism is of the, of the moment. Problems with sentient beings. Because <laughs> <laughs> potentially they're all problem kids, right? <laughs> or we're the problem. Well, same thing. <laughs> but that's an interesting point is what's the PC term for problem kids? Yeah. Uh, PC, PC, PK, <laughs> PK problem kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, problems, problem kids. Um, what do we really mean by that, Tony? Well, there's uh, there's all, all different kinds. Or it's kids with kids who we have problems with, or kids who have problems. Well, what other with definition us? would there be? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the politically correct one. <laughs> by, by. But go ahead. But, what do you well, think? Before we get we'll get into that, there was there's something about you know again we we're kind of getting through the beginning of the term here you know, after Golden Week and things, but. Um, you yeah, how are you doing, by the way? How are you doing with the beginning of the term? Um, generally, I'm doing good. Generally, I'm doing good, except, um, yeah, that one class that I said I was going to... I, I did problems with two classes. One, they're just sophomores and second-year students, so they're just going to be sophomores, and that's the way it goes. Well, what does that mean exactly in Japan that there's, you know, I mean, it's sophomoritis, right? Well, sophomoritis, but it's 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 it's, uh, it's a common term, it, and it's used in the United States, but usually in the United States, it, it's applied to high school students. Um but it manifests here, I think, mostly at, at the university level because in the United States, in the university, you can you have the assumption that the kid wants to be there, um, and we can't make that assumption here in Japan. I mean, they're here, but they don't know why and, and things. Will, and a lot of times, the second year students, well, they've gotten through their first year, they're all excited and they're very happy. Uh, and then they figure out that they don't have to study to get through and, a class. Yeah, they come back as <laughs> the second year students, like, yeah, well, I I know everything now. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have to do, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, testing limits. And um, it's like, you know, it's like a two-year-old. Um, they're just trying to figure out what the limits are. And it just gets, it's a it's a battle every week. That's, it's tiresome. It's tiresome. And that's what, the, and that's what that class is going to be. And, that, and that's the way it is. Okay. Um, then I've got this other class who. Is that your Friday class? Yeah, it is the Friday class. Uh, the fourth period class, right? There you go. End of the, the day last on Friday. The last, end of your week. Yeah, and uh, uh. they are just not 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 all, but a full a full half of the class, um, uh, the, the full deer in the headlights mode, and uh, you could smell the fear in the classroom, and uh, it's kind of funny. Um, one of the things that I do because I teach so many classes and so many students, I take pictures of all my students at the beginning of the year and you know, do a print out a contact sheet and they no, don't get tell their me, don't tell names. me. No, and no, no. out of the 18 classes, <laughs> of the 18 classes, I pass a sheet around, write your name on it. Um, I guess, of course, it was the first one. And one of the kids did it first, and then the other kids did it too. It's like, But the, of all 18 classes, the only class where the kids wrote their name in kanji. I was going to say, and they all look like deer in the headlights in their pictures too, right? They're not the, – the pictures, it, it, it wasn't so obvious. It wasn't but so that's what happens the when the first kid does something and then the second kid just follows yeah, along. Yeah. I've seen that. That's when you ask them to write their your last name, first name, and the first kid gets it wrong. And right. Then... So there was an odd mix on the paper. Okay. I was looking at him and saying, well, 
how, you know, I was like, what was the sequence here? What was, how did this happen? And who, you know, you looked at the sheet and how did they make the, you know, the mental process to do that? Stuff? Right. But you have 18 classes yeah, and 17, was... 17 got it right. So in other words, yeah. the 17 listened to you. Yeah. These are going to be, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be an interesting class. Well, this is one of those cases, institutional. I mean, they, the, the school has set standards at a certain level and they're admitting students at another level. And the, the two things are pretty far apart and, it's left to the teacher to figure that out. Uh, left Yourself? The, left to the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Me? Well, I'm doing well. I have a couple of fantastic classes this semester. Oh, nice. really, really, one of my classes, uh, one of those where I think we've talked about where you just have great chemistry with the students. Mm-hmm. They get it. I get them, they nice. get me. Yeah, yeah. We should actually talk about that in another episode. What's in that explanation of what chemistry is? So that's really nice. A couple of really nice classes. Um, uh, have a, another real good group of students I'm working with, which are at my university. It's a cohort I work with, and they're just great. But then I have, uh, you know, my cl- uh, the class I told you about where the student came in with Maji Day, and uh-huh. I lost it on the student. Nope. This is an example, I think, of a so class. So she came, she came back. She came back, yes. Okay. She came back, and I thought to myself I wanted to say something to that student. And I said, okay, I'll wait till after class to say, you know, that I think, no, I want to say that what you said to me was wrong, but I do want to apologize for losing my temper with you. I should have been a little bit, you know, more calm about it. And I thought that would be good, right? Own up to it. Let the student know. And, of course, this as soon as I said, thanks, everybody, see you next week, she was out the door. And that's when I realized that the student had come in without a backpack or any materials or anything, right? Not even a pen or pencil to the class. Anyway. This, this is third, the, third year, second third year? Third year student, third, third year, year student. Yeah. But anyway, I'm doing something in the class, and I was showing a, a video that I think is pretty good, that 95% of my students have all rated as excellent, and the other 5% have basically rated it as good. And I said, what do you think? And one student just said, oh, that was boring. And without even thinking, and I just went, oh, boo. And I realized that this is an example of a class where I just can't do anything right. It happens. It happens. <laughs> yes, it happens. but but you know that feeling. You know that feeling oh, yeah. where oh, yeah. it's just, it's the third or fourth class. It's a fourth class, and it's like, okay. I'm going to struggle with this class, not because of them, but just because I'm cursed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And I just realized I just have to accept that and just work with it. So, but otherwise doing well, but I guess I have a problem, kid, Hmm. that one student's going to be a problem. Hmm. You know, I realized that they come to class without any materials. And how do I reach that kid? But that's just an attitude, I think. With yeah, it's an attitude thing. That's and that's my whole sophomore class, that whole Monday class. I got a whole class of those. And that, yeah, it's, you it's, got how many? How many in that class? <laughs> it's hard to say because they never show oh, up. The, you, I, mean. <laughs> well, what is, I think on paper, I think there's eighteen on. Paper. I was going to ask on paper, and how many usually show up at one time? Oh, twelve. And usually not the same twelve, right? Of course not. It depends who has a date, et cetera, et cetera. So. And they're aiming at that. Uh, what, what's the attendance requirement at that school for passing? 66%? Two-thirds, yeah. So they've figured out exactly how exactly. many classes. Yeah. And they'll come in one below that and then argue and with you. Big, yeah, exactly. You know, that's how it works. Are you allowed yeah. at that school to set a higher standard for attendance? Or is you're not allowed to exceed that at that school? Um, I, I could. I'm not sure that I'd want to because it <laughs> it's just kind of exacerbates the problem, right? Because then you have 
more kids in the class who don't want to be there. <laughs> mm, <laughs> so mm. you know, why poison the class if they don't? If they, again, if they don't want to be there, I would like to. I would like to make the attendance requirement even less. I think, I, you know, twenty five percent would be fine. You know, let the kids who want to learn want to be there. Let me focus on them. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Added, you know, leave the kids and their attitudes somewhere else. If you don't want to be there, don't be there. But, that's uh, a that's a fair point. I think a lot of um, traditionally a lot of teachers, I think, are I some people the PC kind of people. This does not mean, by the way, that because I criticize PC people that I'm a member of the NRA, okay? I don't want that to get out. <laughs> but it's really true where there's a practical decision there where I agree with you, which is to say, hey, you know, if I have – if twenty, if four kids, about four kids out of those 18 really want to learn, is it justifiable to say to the other students, you know, this is the minimum – information you're going to need to be able to recycle on the test at the end of the semester. If you don't want to be here, don't show up. Just know this stuff. And for those of you who want to learn, let's work. Yeah, time and resource management. I think that's, I think that's to some degree, is a reasonably fair reaction. Yeah, and again, but, you know, you go, oh, again another, another topic and the philosophy and things in terms okay. of what, how much of that creating motivation or developing motivation or motivating students is the teacher's job. And well, we've and, talked and, about and that on that road. But, yeah. Well, we've talked a little bit about that, but yeah. okay. So problem kids, uh, I think we both agree, get broken down into four categories yeah. in general. What uh, do you think? Four, four and a half, maybe. So, uh, yeah, one, uh, you know, pretty obvious is that the, the student is at the, the student's level doesn't match the level of the class either. The Probably the most common one, right? Yeah, not not prepared, you know, not not able to do the work that's there, or in some cases, just way be, you know, it has competence way beyond the 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 class that you know what you're trying to teach. They know everything that you're trying to teach, and mm. you know, they're you know at a different level than the rest of the kids in the class as well. So, but there are problems with that. For example, you have your story. Ah, well, the... this is a kid. Well, th- we're talking about kids who don't belong in our class, but right. I got a kid who. Uh, <laughs> A kid who is who is now not in my class, but he sure should be. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, I, I talk about. Um, I guess maybe the uh, my, my first introduction speech about holistic nature of of second language acquisition and how it's you know yeah partly academic, but it's you know a lot of practice and and usage and things and talk about people who in Japan specifically, I think. Uh, approach it as a pure academic subject and you know have incredible vocabularies and great command of the uh of the grammar and so forth and so on but are unable to have a conversation and communicate and uh i talk about what you know what we're going to do in class and how we're going to focus on actual communication and uh, the culture aspect etc etc and after the class one one of the kids came up to me and um in, uh, you know, he wanted to say something. Um, <laughs> he's standing for me and hemming and hawing and trying to get everything together. And what he was trying to tell me was that uh, because he had scored very high on one of the standardized tests here, the, the Aiken for the, you know, those in Japan, EQ Aiken, he was exempt from the course and he wasn't going to be here. And he wanted me to know that. But he and, wasn't asking you. No, and he was telling me that he was... He was telling was, you that I don't need to be here and I get Yeah, it was, a, cor- it was a courtesy. And it, it was a courtesy because he doesn't... I guess his, I guess his name is just going to disappear from my from my roles because he scored this on the test and he's exempt from the class. But he showed up on the first day and he 
told me that I'm not going to. He's not going to be in the class. So that's courteous. It was very courteous. No, it was very polite. Um, I thought but, it was the kind of kid who was saying, "I don't need to take this class, but you're going to give me credit for it." No, 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 no. He was, okay. he was, he was very, very polite. But the, the irony is that he is exempt from the class because his English is so good. Yet he couldn't say that. <laughs> and I, said, I was like, "I think you really need to be here." <laughs> but and that's an important thing is to say that even in a, a reading and writing class, there still yeah. is a lot of interaction between the teacher that and the students that and student to student that is going to help them in their communicative competency. Absolutely, you know the, the thinking, the thinking skills, right? Right. And uh, patterns in the language and so forth, so that don't. But he get couldn't. Tested. He couldn't. He couldn't explain it to you. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to the others. Though. He, he should be there, but we're talking about the kids who are there, who probably shouldn't be. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of reasons for that. One is, yeah, the student level or the just the inappropriate level. Um, then there's, uh, you know, true, uh, the other part, like true disabilities, right? Um, we went early on last year. We talked about the the reading class that I had that uh, had a blind student in it. Mm. Um, and go back and listen to that one. That one's, that one's choice. And the Walking on Water is, is the name of that episode. Right. Um, but yeah, Teaching I mean, the students physical disabilities are... like that, or you know, a speech impediment in a pronunciation class or a deaf student in a listening class. Um, but other true disabilities, uh, whether they be mental, um, emotional, uh, other things that really have a profound effect on students' ability to learn. It just, it's, it's not going to happen. Um, and it kind of gets bigger, even like like the question of shyness, right? I don't know if you can consider a disability, uh, but it, it's a personality trait. It in a communicative class, um, excessive shyness really is a huge impediment to learning and to practice, and 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 your, the teacher's evaluation of the student. It's it's a big problem. Um, then there's motivation. The student who just doesn't want to be in school at all or doesn't want to learn English at all or doesn't, doesn't want to learn doesn't want to be in your me. class right <laughs> <laughs> and that like, never happens about chemistry right it's just that like never uh, that just never like... happens right and then and then you get the other kids you know the, a, a socialization question where they don't even understand what it means to be in school they don't have a basic command of manners um understand how to behave in the classroom, what it means to talk to a teacher, how to interact with other people in the class, just how to, you know, just behave. They just don't, haven't had it. And, you know, it's surprising, you know, here you think about Japan, you know, the image that it has in university students is, well, you know, if you're not here, you think, how can that be? How can, how can students go through elementary school, junior high school, high school, get admitted to a university and, and not know how to behave in class um, it's to the outsider. I think it'd be shocking to find out how common that is, or how frequently that happens. Yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon. <laughs> I think um, it, it happens a lot, and it gets very strange. Especially, um, have you ever overheard students when they're in um, a club meeting by any chance? And no, they're, or they're when they're club, talking club meeting. No. Have you ever heard when a student in a club or what they call circles here is talking to their cohort or their senpai, their senior? They use kago. Mm, I've I've seen uh, I've watched yeah, them address yeah. each other in cl- in classroom when they do like a presentation or give an information and so forth. Yeah, 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 sure. yeah. I know what you mean. In other words, 
that keigo by the way is highly formalized japanese it's um res very respectful language used when there's when you're speaking to someone who is higher up the ladder than you so to speak and i've seen them use keigo to you know their club leaders or their senpais and i've seen them be completely rude to a professor hmm. so i think that there's some interesting phenomena going on there's some interesting mm. internal processes going but i think you're right I, we agree that there's these four real areas that occur um the problem i have with the learning disabilities issue in japan is there tends to be an administrative block or blindness to that issue where I've experienced this a couple times where the administrators or when I go talk to people, they don't want to admit that the student has a learning disability. Although I think well, you had the visually impaired student where you couldn't really argue with that. <laughs> but I remember I was teaching a class, this is a while ago, small school so that everybody knew everybody. And I definitely had a student who was had a learning disability. And uh, we talked about this again on Walking on Water, but I remember going to talk to the person, you know, who I reported to, and then a couple of other people said, excuse me, but this student has a learning disability. And everybody went, that's impossible. That can't occur. That can't happen. And it was impossible to get any extra support. Whereas I think I'm used to the idea that there are support services available to students who have learning disabilities to help them succeed in the classroom. And the attitude I think that was, I picked up was you're on your own, you deal with it. You put oh, without in the, question, without you, question. Right? Yeah, this I've is got, your I've responsibility, 100%. Yeah, I've got a story that backs this up 100%. It's exactly the same thing where uh, this was a year ago and uh, the first day of class. And uh, I had a guy, uh, this is a lower level class, but he was lower than the, even you know, the, the, the norm for, for, for this class. And at the end of class, he came up to me, he was crying. He's talking to me in Japanese. He says, "I don't, I don't understand anything. I don't understand anything." I said, "Okay, well, um, you know, um, you talk to you know, the, you talk to the guy, and I'll talk to the guy, and we'll we'll see if we can get you in a different class." And uh, yeah, basically the same thing. It's like, no, uh, he got into the university, passed the exam, and he the placement test puts him in at in this level, and there's got to be a reason for it. So I really don't believe that he didn't understand anything. Just um, I think you should stay in your classroom. Mm. Yeah. You're on your own. Thank you. And also, there's that thing, this, the placement test that they use. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This And this is part of the problem is that a lot of the tests are designed by people without any background or specialty in testing. No, that's like that's the whole thing with ACNAs, right? Yeah, it's it, it, they very often, the, the tests that are designed here, they what they test for is test preparation. It's not linguistic ability. It's whether you've studied for the test. And it, it, that, that test specifically, the, the, the ACAN that I'm referring to, is because you, you'll have um, returnees, people who have been overseas, you know, Japanese students who have been overseas for a year or two, come back totally fluent, um, speaking English better than most of the, you know, speaking, communicative competence, uh, speaking English better than a lot of the teachers, um, and we'll take the test and perform abysmally because the test isn't teaching, isn't testing English. It's testing how well you've studied for that specific test. Well, yeah, I remember years ago we'd get uh, copies of the ACAN test 
for example, and a bunch of us would sit around and try to answer the egg. Yeah, you've, you've done that; it's impossible. Yeah, like, put, you know, put these put these sentences, these words in the right order. I go, what the hell is this? What does this have to do with? <laughs> yes, I mean, what is? When have I ever had that problem occur in real life? What is it measuring? It's it's like using a crossword puzzle to judge students' ability to communicate in English. Right, so so you so based on these on these tests, these students are divvied up okay. and, and tracked by right. different levels so. of things, and it, it, they very often have nothing to do with the kids' real ability. And so, so often we have uh, classes that kids classes that are supposed to be at a certain level, and the level of the kids in the class, you know, really don't match whatsoever. Yeah, I get one class every fall like that that has about twenty five students in it, and there's seven returnees in it. And other students who can't understand what I'm talking about. And I just, you know, and I can... So what, what, the, what about the class? What do, you, what do you do? Well, first off, I have to do something really quickly because the low-level students get immediately demotiv- demotivated within the first, you know, 25 minutes. It's a, it's, it sets up a very odd dynamic at the very beginning. So, so in other words, yeah. In other words, I don't have a problem, kid at the beginning of class, but by the end of the first class, <laughs> you know, and I say that the problem kid is simply that the, um, that there's a problem associated with the student that kids become demotivated within an hour. Right. But what I've tended to do has been to, if the students are returnees and they're really fluent is that I offer them alternative assignments and I pull them out of the class uh-huh. and I give them, but I give them a choice. You're allowed to stay in the class or you can do an alternative assignment you know, working with me and doing something and you, you meet with me during the week and we talk and you carry out like a, a semester long project. And that's usually out of the five or six returnees, one or two, only one or two will accept it. Yeah. That's been my experience too. And why do you think that is? Um, I, I fear of being different, even being more different. I think that a lot of the returnees, um, have such a hard time mm. um, blending in again that like being, I think they're just kind of like tired of being different and being getting, given special treatment, et cetera. They just want to be part of the crowd. I, I think, think, yeah, for in this situation, the students are admitted in October. Mm. So this is the first time they're actually in class with students who have been in school since April. And a lot of them don't want to give up that social condition yeah, being in a class where they have, because in my classes, probably like most other people who are teaching English, there's a lot of moving around. By the end of the fifth week, you've talked to everyone in the class, you've met everyone in the class. It increases the likely your social circle. It gives you opportunities for that. So I think they don't want to lose out on that. But I think wrong level is a common, common problem, hmm. and I think the only way to deal with that really is to match up students. To work with each other. So, yeah, as, that's what I was going to ask. Do you, do you enlist the, the, yes. the returnees as like um, mentors or? Unofficially. Unofficially. Like, unofficial, of course. Yeah. yeah what you, I'll do the, is. The way you match them up. Right. Right. You know, with the counting off, you know, count off by 12s or something. And I'll manipulate the count to as much as possible to get one of those students to work with maybe a lower level student. And sometimes I'll get one of those students, again, it's manipulation. I'll get one of those students to work with the student who I think really has a lot of potential but just doesn't have confidence and you can do that so i think having sometimes having the 
student who's way too high for the class is a benefit. But it's very hard sometimes to overcome the student whose level is way too low and the student knows it and that they're feeling uncomfortable. And I think it's easy to forget what that feels like, right? That Sure. You sure. know, I mean, oh, it's, it's incredibly intimidating. Yeah. And I know that I understand how it feels because sometimes I think everybody, do you have this, Tony? I don't know. I assume everybody has what I have. Some days, I guess I cannot speak a word of Japanese. My brain just isn't functioning that day. Mm. I, it's some kind of biocycle or something. Mm. And I'm just, I can't even get a sentence out correctly. And I'm illiterate. I'm just, you know, totally you know, right. an <laughs> idiot for the day. Or probably an idiot for most days. But it's a terrible feeling. Yeah. And I can't imagine what it would be like to mm. be in a class and feel that you're like at the bottom, not understanding anything the teacher says not understanding any of the assignments. Um, you know, it's, yeah, that's, so that problem kid is having a problem rather than them being a problem kid, right? It's a student with a problem. And, and, and often often what happens in, in, in cases like this, because you, you get a kid who's got this, you know, who's at a really low level, but often it's, it's, not such a simple problem. It's often compounded because it's often those things come in like in combination with other problems. So very often you have not only this linguistic level problem, but it's also compounded with like extreme shyness or some other more serious and more severe emotional problem, like, you know, victim of abuse of one kind or another. Um, and I've got, you get two cases, and and again, it's it's it, it, the problems are so severe that, it, you know, I'm a teacher. I, I'm not I'm not a mental health professional. Um, and I certainly couldn't diagnose and 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 figure out what was happening with these kids. <clears throat> but there was a uh, one kid of uh, a ways back, and uh, this is the school where we taught together. I think I, I think you were I think you were gone by this point at this point, but. Uh, um, I had a student in, in my class, and it, it was a coordinated program. So you know, I, we, we knew I knew some of the other teachers that uh, whose classes she was in, and um, we you know, we talked about her because she was a big problem because she didn't speak, um, she didn't speak English in English. She didn't say anything. She didn't speak in Japanese. She didn't say anything to anybody. She was a loner. Um, she came to school. She did not speak. Okay, I would have I would have known about this. I think if I had been there. Yeah, so no, this I is think, definitely. You know, I after. think this was already after you were gone. After okay. you were gone, and uh, we, you know, we would get together. We would talk about her, and you know, we, we, I can't say we made fun of her, but uh, you know, it's, a, it's it's teacher talk. You know, it's shop talk, and to uh, our knowledge, the first word that she said at school was in my class. Um. And uh, the topic was shopping, and I had the kids. How long was make... this, though? By the way, after how how many months or how many oh. how long had she been at the school? Just give us an the idea. School, the school year begins in April. I, my my feeling of this was October. So an entire October, semester, October, November. So at least a whole semester. She said nothing. She said nothing in in her in her native language or in English in any classes in any classes to our knowledge okay because right? we we you know we, we we talked and we asked and things 
And uh, yeah, it was a, a situation of shopping and grocery shopping, and everyone had to make a shopping list. And um, so they, you know, they're working. You know, so I said, "Well, Emmy, what, Emmy, what, what did, what did you, what did you buy?" She said, "Bread." Wow. And so th- did you that cry? Became, that became <laughs> the mantra for the Emmy. Said bread. Yeah. Did you cry? <laughs> almost, almost. Oh, it was like God. I wasn't crying. I was, I was, I was late. I mean, it was like <laughs> it was I was going to contain myself. I was bouncing around the room. Yeah, it's, so went, it's one of those the two. teachers' room. Walked in, and say, Emmy said bread. Um, I've got a kid almost that bad this year. Um, I don't know what her situation deal is because it's only been a, a few weeks uh luckily um uh, she's not that uh she's not that uncommunicative she has a she has a buddy and her her buddy is sharp and her buddy is ch- cheerful and outgoing and friendly but she's she's taking this other kid under her wing and um is looking out for i mean actually under almost literally she almost has her arm around her um in class or arm and, and you know when it comes time to do something the other kid is there with her hand on her arm encouraging her and, and the kid just will not you know does not look up uh, long hair kind of covering her face uh she stares down at the desk and she will she will actually answer a question kind of you know one word answers or two word answers with zero affect and zero you know totally motionless just completely frozen you know of course you're very careful not to push too hard um and to to, to make it worse uh but boy um i yeah i don't know what's going on there and it's like obviously you, you know you, you don't want to push too hard you want to push just gently enough to to get a little bit more you know within you know, trying to get into their comfort zone, but their comfort zone is so tiny. <laughs> uh, it's it's really tough. It's really tough. And 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 I, this other the, the class that she's in is is not an optimal class either. I mean, they they present problems of their own, but that's it, it, nothing compared to 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 what this kid's dealing with. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's there are students like that, and it's part of the job, I guess, when we're teaching the difference or the difficulty is that most of the classes I have are highly interactive and they well, ditto, ditto same right yeah. yeah you know and it's for a, a student who's naturally shy my classes must just be sheer hell <sighs> right but I always do this thing at the beginning of the semester where I start off and I say to my students, I say, okay, it's really important that you're not shy. Um, shy students, raise your hand. And all the students in the class raise their hand. And I said, well, you're not shy. Yeah, I said, you're not shy. the question. You right, need to raise right. your hand. Yeah, but I said, you're not shy because they get it that a shy student could never raise their hand. Right. And there's this built-in thing where shyness is supposedly a virtue in this society. It's a weird thing, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's good to be shy. And so yeah. people will say they're shy even though they're not shy. Right. It's it's weird. It's strange that way. I'm sure uh, people who have been here a long time are going, I obviously don't get it. But I just find that to be a, a, <laughs> a strange thing in a classroom. Well, that's, well, that's the thing. So if you ask somebody to, again, a little translation issue, but it's like, it's like the way that you'd say it here is like describe your character. We would say personality, right? And the character personality thing is another thing that I do. But say, okay, describe your character. Yes, it used to be 70%. Like, I'm cheerful but shy. 
And they say, well, you, what's your, I'm cheerful but shy. I'm I like, cheerful but shy. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, cheerful I'm but shy. shy. I'm shy, but I like to meet people. I'm cheerful but shy. Well, cheerful and shy are not necessarily mutually no. But those exclusive. were the, those were the, the, the those that was the pat answer. They're not, they're not they're not mutually exclusive. But that was the pat answer. That's what you should be. I see what you, you should say. be cheerful and you should be shy. That's the ideal personality. Huh. That's what you aspire toward. Not me. Anyway. <laughs> no. I like the cheerful part. I like the cheerful part. And I'm I, shy. I, and I'm I, shy. Yeah, I tell anyway. my students that. I say, look, I'm really shy. They kind of like guffaw at that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's the I, – I think that it's a separate issue when we want to really talk about how to deal with students with learning disabilities. But I think we talked about that more on walking on water. Right. And I think the wrong level is just such a common thing. Yeah. Right? That what – I think we get down to where we're really talking about what we determine as being a problem student or a problem kid, right? Is the unmotivated kid and or student, sorry, I use the term kid, but sometimes... Use, yeah, we, that's what we're going to have to use. Yeah, we just I, I use, use it all the time. Too. Yeah, I use it all the time. And the other one is the, or are the students who are just not properly socialized mm-hmm. for the classroom. And I separate those out because... The learning disability student, you have to get support for that. You have to deal with that in a certain way. And the wrong level actually is the easiest one to deal with, I think, uh-huh. because you can buddy up students, right? Pair them up. Um, what I've yep. done in the past, too, is I've turned to a student and said, look, your level's too low. You have to meet me at lunchtime once a week and work with me. And I've done that a lot. But the not socialized student and the unmotivated student, those are the ones where I could really tear my hair out. I think. Yeah, the un- the, the the motivation question is kind of interesting. We've talked about that before too. We right? talked about it before, and I'm, I'm going to throw I'm going to throw another one in there, and, and I'm sure that you've had kids that are similar to this. It's not quite so much motivation, but it's self destructive. Mm. Uh, these are the kids who just set themselves up to fail, and. Uh, I'm thinking of one student in particular because she was such a classic case. Um, I had her as a first-year student, and I had her as a sixth-year student. And I'm not sure, that, but it might have been that this first-year English class was the one class that she had to keep coming back to repeat. And she would fail each year only because of her attendance and it was there's a whole kind of institutional you know stupidity that that was involved with this because as a repeater student she was always put in with the highest level first year kids and the first year i mean the highest level of the kids and they were all very cheerful and motivated and there's this increasingly and again in japan one year is a really big difference you get somebody else in the class who's like four years older Mm. it really plays hell with the dynamics of the class and uh, she was a she was a, she was a night girl. Um, she worked at night and uh, and looked it, and was much older than the other kids. And she just, I, said, you know, I would tell her, I said, uh, you know, Rika. That that's of course that's not her name. The Rika is like you really have to. It's, come on, just if you want me, I'll, I'll call you up. I'll wake you up. Just, you just gotta, just, just get through this. You don't want to, you don't want to be here next year. You don't want to be here next year. 
finally got her through, and she it was it was hard because it was a coordinated class there was another teacher involved so she had to come to both classes and things and he was kind of being a hard ass about the attendance it's like oh jesus christ this is her sixth time with this class same class six times um i had her each time and uh talked to him and says i says you know we eventually i wore him down it's like well you know really if you look at it cumulatively she's been to more English classes than anybody else. <laughs> if you add them all up, she's already she's already reached the attendance required attendance. <laughs> you just, just put it all together. And it's like, and she's yeah, she's 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 done that. And it's like, okay, so don't you know? Got him to agree. Don't you know that she misses the final exam? Hmm. <laughs> and I was I was in, I was in this whole process of setting up this. And so I says, okay, listen, I'm not going to say anything because it was it was in my under uh, my watch. And I says, okay, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to set up an alternate te- test session. We're going to meet somewhere else because I had a private lesson. And, and it's like, okay, fine, fine, fine. And the the private lesson cancels. It's like, okay, I can get on the train. I can go, you know, travel like an hour and a half to this place and meet her in a coffee shop. And make her talk to me for ten minutes. And so she was, I says, just just write me something <laughs> just just write and gets me by thursday afternoon four o'clock or something like that okay. of course she was late <laughs> so this is just could not just could not help you know i i never didn't look at her arms for cut marks and stuff but you could just just no matter what how far over how far over you had been for the, for the student to try to get them? Okay, I want you to do three. She'll come back with two. Just total set, setting her own self up for failure. And how, you know, with something that big, I mean, how do you deal with that? That's a student with a disability. Yeah. But yeah. it's not officially recognized in many ways. But I know exactly what you're talking about, right? The yeah. student who is will fit just they can't they don't want to succeed now the question is fear of success or the student doesn't want to leave school or right we could start running our hypotheses on this you know and what do we think is there um the only way i've ever found how to deal with those kinds of students is uh, i had one just like that tony this past last year the semester that ended in uh january and it was an overseas student, and they were kind of coming to the classes, but they'd miss a little bit, and I'd push them, and they turn in their assignments late, and they didn't turn in a final paper. It was a writing class. And I emailed the person and said, look, I haven't gotten your paper yet. Would you please send your paper in? I'll give you a week extension. Because I knew that the person needed to pass the class to be able to keep their scholarship. Sure. I also know the person was talking to me that they'd broken up with their girlfriend and they'd had some problems there. But, you know, I kept emailing the student for two or three weeks and I never got a response from the student. Finally, I had to email the student and said, okay, you leave me no choice but to fail you. And I had to fail the student. So that's just an example, my, my most recent example, but I know what you mean about students who are setting themselves up for failure and... With those kinds of students, I have to not give them a task that they have to turn in. I, it has to be something they do in class. And but then they have to show up. 
Yeah, that's part of the problem, right? <laughs> of course, that's part of the problem. But if they do show up, I immediately will just say, okay, quick. Yeah, today's test day. <laughs> Today, exactly. That's exactly. what you have yeah. to do. You yeah, have to say, exactly, today's right? test day, pull out a piece of paper, write a paragraph about what your summer plans are. And no, you can't go to the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. You will. You cannot. <laughs> you have leave to sit the there and write something. And you can't leave the room until you have written something. And that's pretty much the only. You know, you have yeah. to outfox them somehow. Yeah. And circumvent their desire but, them from screwing themselves but the, over. But where this is important, though, Tony, and I think, as you said, is how behaviors are indicative of something else. Sure. And I think it's far too easy just to look at the behavior and deal with the behavior. Instead, And we've talked about this, where lateness is an indication of something else. And this kind of, um, I don't know if it's fair, but I don't know how much we've talked about it. But for example, if a student comes to my class late, I always say, thank you for coming. And even if the student comes 10 or 15 minutes before class finishes, it's always, thank you for coming. And I think that I see a lot of teachers demotivating students. A lot of these students are working part-time jobs either because they want to have a social life, their parents don't have enough money, or a lot of the students I know are actually, you know, helping to put themselves through school. And, you know, instead of, you know, saying, you know, penalizing the kid for being late, ask the kid, hey, why are you late? It's an amazing, simple thing to do is to ask the student, hey, I notice that you're not participating in class. What's going on? And often the student will surprise you with a reasonably candid sure. answer because nobody's ever asked the student that question before. Mm. Right? So I think your your example of Rika, though, is the student who is going to fail. And after six years, my attitude would just be, I'm passing her no matter what. Well, it had, yeah, had it been. She's got just, what? It was just my class. If it was, classes. I was the only teacher, then there wouldn't have, there wouldn't have been a sixth year. I would have the, the person working with me would have just. It's like, look, you either pass this student or I'm just going to haunt you. <laughs> because that's obviously. I mean, I I wonder about that. What do you do when you fi- you have the student for the third year in a row? At that, what's the point of? of forcing that student to maybe pass a class that they have no innate ability for? Well, with this student... If, for, if, if I had to do a... I'm sorry to interrupt, but I mean, for example, if a course in quantum mechanics were a required graduation requirement, I don't know if I'd be able to pass. I don't know if I would have been able to graduate from university. I had a, yeah. good, I had a good ear for German. I have a bad ear for Japanese. Yeah, this kid's ability wasn't it wasn't really an issue. I mean, she wasn't a star, but she, you know, she could she could have done whatever she needed to do. I but mean, you understand? I mean, the point of it is, after the third time, yeah, what's the point of requiring or the student to take the class again or holding up their graduation? Well, it's a whole charade. I, I, yeah, given the fact that a lot of the other classes have no. Institutional madness. It's just okay. insanity, yeah. right? It's just is that, isn't that the NCAA tournament? <laughs> oh no, though that's um, not re- regional madness. Is something else. But yeah, this March I, madness. March, but that's it. And for us, it's also March madness, isn't it? Mm. Where you have to, what should I do with the student? But there's a question of: Is it worthwhile holding a student's life back? And then asking to say, what are the standards about the other classes that students are actually passing, where attendance is the sole measure of whether or not a student passes? 
Well, the other the other part of this though is that it's not the institution that's doing it so much as the students doing it, and what their expectations are. The student maybe, as you said, doesn't want to graduate. Yeah, well, that's there's school, right? So it's 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 a tough one to unravel. You know, it's like what actually what's actually happening there? What's going on? I I don't know. I have no idea. And part of it also it would be a lot of universities are just only now beginning to understand the importance of having a counselor on, on campus. I have, I have one school that's very good with that. Yeah, well, we have a counselor on campus. I had to direct a student to see a counselor um, because I noticed a student who had pretty good English, wasn't performing and was missing classes. And I said something to the student, and the student waited after class and just broke down in tears and, you know, talking to me. And so I got, we were able to get them to a counselor, but... A lot of it is that the schools don't provide support for for the students who need help, and they don't understand that teachers are probably the people who are first in line for seeing the kind of behaviors that are indicative of a student who, with a little bit of support, with a little bit of counseling, yeah, could be an unbelievable success. Yeah. And that just drives me nuts, where I don't have access to those resources to help you know, um, to help that problem kid be successful because... Just teach him English, Charles. Just teach him English. Oh, that's my job. Sorry. I always forget that. <laughs> well, Don't get involved. Don't get involved. Don't worry about that. Let the other... Let, let, let their homeroom teacher deal with that. So you just, just, just teach him the English. Mm. Get, get those toe Well, you get, yeah, you get into a whole thing about what's the role just of... Just raise those scores. I'm sorry. I'm not a teacher. I'm an educator. Yeah. There's a difference, right? Oh, yeah. You know that, and I, I go nuts, and I've, I've butted heads with people over this. We got to get the students some help. You got it. You can't tell me that you don't have access. This is a large institution, mm. and the, the reason is that people just don't want to admit that a student might have emotional difficulties because it reflects badly on their entrance examination system or something. Their process, yeah, or their process, or but it's gotten much better in the last ten years, fifteen years. I think yeah, people are so. understanding sure. that the importance of that. But, yeah, so we have the students who have real problems. And there's the non-socialized student. I think you mentioned the student who just doesn't oh. understand. Yeah, grumble, grumble. That's a different one. I find Very that, yeah, I'm able to be patient with the other kinds of students, especially the emotionally distraught student. I could really, I, I can really be patient and understanding but a student who's not socialized sometimes that's a hard one it's really hard because it's 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 hard to it's an affront to me to to ascertain how much you know you know doling out responsibility is like okay is this you're going the james dean thing is is this a product of society or how much responsibility does the individual hold for his his or her own ignorance right because it's um is it you know, you have this kid who doesn't know what it means to be in a class, uh, doesn't know how to talk to a teacher. But how much of that is uh, a failure of his parents, his prior teachers, and how much of it is his or her own uh, doing? And uh, I think that's an important question in, in determining how you deal with the, that specific problem. Um how you deal with them? Mm. I, I, what do you do? Oh well, first off, I'm very insistent from day one 
that matters are required in my classes and I expect 100%, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Compliance. Compliance. Yeah. And I start off by... But you do that as an authoritarian? You do this as like, well, this is how we do things here? I mean, how do you you communicate? Well, first off, well, there's a whole point about, again, walking into the classroom. We've talked about this and letting students know that you're in charge, right? Right. But we'll go into that maybe later in another episode. But what I do is I start off and I ask my students, um, okay, how many of you want world peace? And pretty much everybody raises their hand. And I said, okay, fine. World peace begins with you and I being respectful to each other and nice to each other. And we do that by, you know, saying thank you, you're welcome, excuse me, which indicates that I have respect for you and you have respect for me. Mm. And that's how I started off. And I tell students, this is non-negotiable. You need to learn these manners because these are the magic words in any language. And I pass out papers. And if the student doesn't, say thank you, I move to the next student and move to the next student until a student says thank you and then I give them the paper and then I look at the other students and make a funny face and we turn it into a funny thing. And the students are expected to say, here you are, thank you, you're welcome when they hand each other papers. They're expected to do greetings to each other. Um, I teach them, would you excuse me please? And I also teach them, I'm sorry, I'd rather not say. We go through a whole list of these kinds of things that are required. And the thing I guess that gets to me is that other teachers don't do it. And I've just given up on expecting parents to teach kids their manners. Right? Yeah, that's, a, that's a huge thing. Right? Because right. I, I, I mean, see parents. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really big. Well, I don't know. I'm pretty surprised. I've been in Japan 25 years and I get shocked. And last semester, a student bumped into me while walking in the opposite direction and kept walking. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that before. Yeah, right? you know, I, 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 just that's something, you know, I had to I run. I can't be shocked again because I know you said yeah, it before. I, I was like, ah. I ran after hey, the student. And I think maybe it was the third second. And he's still alive? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I just pointed it out to him. It's just like I said, I was the other day, I was, it was yesterday. I was at a food court and with my wife and my daughter. And I saw, I guess it would have been a a freshman high school guy. He was talking with, I guess it was a date, you know, and they were sitting in the food court and he had his foot flat on top of the chair, on top of a chair. So if, you know, anybody's sitting down, it's dirty. And this is Japan where you just don't do that, right? You take your shoes off because, and I sat there for about 40 minutes watching and I could see people walking by, looking at the kid, you know, and you could see people thinking it was wrong and nobody said anything. And finally I got up and I said, excuse me, but you know, shoes and feet don't match. And he didn't like it, but he took his foot down. And the reason I mentioned this, the reason I mentioned this, there's, there's two issues in Japan that really, especially in, um, in the culture itself that bother me. And one that in the culture in general, and the second is in the university itself. The first one is the lack of feedback. Right, that you don't the honk feedback you, loop in terms right. of like yeah when you, you do, do something, something wrong, wrong there's no, there's you don't no say corrective. anything because heiwa you know peacefulness smooth harmony is really important. It's and a the, funny thing though. It's it's not compl- It's not simple, right? No, because, it's an incredibly complicated because 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 here that peer pressure and that outside that other other people looking at you and shaming you is such a huge motivator. Yet and yet there is this absence of this loop kind of thing where it seems like the old way of like 
registering disapproval doesn't work anymore with certain groups or the new generation or, well, or what, what is it? I don't know. Wasn't that the Uchi and Soto thing where if you're within your group, the yeah, peer pressure uh, yeah. really matters. But once you're outside of your group, you can disregard yeah, what yeah, people yeah, think. Can... So, so dro- some weird skewing of that is is, is yes. underway. And yes, I, yeah, yes. And it's really weird. You're right. It's a far more complex and um, deep kind of situation or condition or issue than I'm prepared to go into or capable of analyzing. But I was, it's important to realize that it happens in driving where somebody does something really stupid and you almost never hear a horn being honked in Japan, unless it's by some Yakuza guy, right? <laughs> or me. But Yeah, or me. And my <laughs> wife at the beginning would be very angry with me for honking my horn. And I'm not talking about where, you know, you lean on the horn for 20 seconds. I'm talking about Somebody turning left, you know, right in front of you as you're coming through an intersection and it's mm. uncomfortably close. And I'll honk my horn and my wife would be say, you shouldn't do that. It's rude. And then I finally started convincing her that I'm only providing feedback with somebody that they've done. You're something. an educator. Yes, I'm an educator. <laughs> I'm educating somebody. So one problem is the feedback loop. And a lot of teachers will not correct students' manners or they won't, you know, for example, um, like sleeping in the classroom. Yeah. You know where I tell students, I can't sleep, you don't sleep. Okay, so one problem is this feedback loop and the lack of feedback and how teachers or instructors or educators feel how much feedback should they provide to people so that they can correct their behavior, Mm. right? You know, and so often it's, I did that, I found that out with the Majide student, by the way. I talked to a bunch of other professors and almost every one of them was like, well, you know, it's really, really not too bad. You should have let it go. And then I said to them, well, okay, let me give you a situation. What if I said Majide to the Gakubucho? <laughs> and they said, you, oh, you can't do that. That would be totally wrong. And I said, okay, which is a further distance? Student to professor or professor to, you know, dean? And they sat back and you could see them thinking about it because they realized, uh-oh, he has a point here, right? Mm-hmm. And sure. so, again, there's the automatic response of just let it slide, keep the harmony, keep the peace. But and don't t- make trouble. And, yeah, don't make trouble for that student. But this is going to hurt the student in the future. So manners are important. But I'm now getting ready to get into my real pet peeve. And you know what that one is, of course. I'm guessing. I'm yeah, guessing. and let's see if you guess right. Go for it. <laughs> Cha-ching. Cha-ching is <laughs> student as, as customer. customer. <laughs> uh, the source of all evil in the world. Mm. God, I hate that one. Don't you? It's it, it's a it's a bear. <laughs> it doesn't make life easy, does it? Yeah, and there are some schools where their enrollment is going down. Yeah, that they, they are we, paralyzed by that. It's kind of funny because as you were talking about motiv- you know, the student, motiv- not the motivation, but the, the socialization, I, as you were talking, I really like thinking to myself, it hasn't happened in a long time. I was like, oh, and I started thinking about, I'm really lucky. Because we're not the at those schools, schools anymore. The schools where I'm at, I, that's no longer an issue. And and this one also, um, I don't get a lot of this anymore either, but it's. But it's a ba- it's a bad one, yeah, for sure. Go, yeah, student is well, customer. The worst place I think I ever experienced is at the one school where we worked together. Uh huh. And I remember I was talking to a student, and I had the administrative assistant with me to watch the conversation because I just mm-hmm. had this concern. And I'm talking to a student, 
And in the middle of my talk, the student just stands up and starts walking away. <laughs> and I just said, you will not walk away from me. Sit down. And she just said something in Japanese and gave me a look, which was basically, you know, the same as flipping yeah. a bird and walked away. And I yelled at the student. And then that student went and complained to Kyomaka. And go. our, um, the guy above me, you remember, I do, came to me and sat me down and started scolding me. About it's that. Always, it's always the teacher's fault. Exactly. You had no right to talk to a student it's like this. The blah, blah. And I said, excuse me, but the student walked away from me. And without even saying it, he says, I don't care. That's not you had no right to be talking to the student. The student had the right to stand up and walk away what from you. What you really should have done is and, stand up and, and walk well, away. That's what I did. That's what I did. I did. I did. I said, okay, fair enough. Beautiful. Fine. If that student has the right to stand up and walk away, I don't have to listen to this. And don't ever you bring this up to me again or I will quit my job. And I walked out. And I think that's almost the last time. I talked with that person. Uh, and then you did quit. And I did end up quit. I think, within a couple of weeks. <laughs> but for another reason, actually. Right. Well, there were a lot and of there reasons. There were actually there were a lot of reasons for that. <laughs> but this idea, I, I think it's present in America also, the idea of... The, oh, I, I think it's... I think it may, it may, be, it may be worse. Yeah. It may be and worse. you can't... It's, it's a bad analogy. A and then you get, and then you get the, you get the parents involved too. And it, it really, I think, in the United States, it's, yeah, it's much, much. Oh, I hear it's worse. insane that professors get phone calls from parents asking why their student oh. got a B plus instead of an A. Yeah, like I couldn't deal with that. Yeah. Well, I remember, I was sitting around with, um, at a family dinner, and this is was my this is my stepmom's family. It was my father and my my stepmom's family. And her daughter-in-law was talking about the fact that one of her kids had dyslexia, okay? And that she went in and told the teacher that you will spend at least an hour after school working with my child, helping him read. And she was so demanding about it. And I, I asked her, I said, excuse me, but is that really fair? Is it right to expect the teacher to have to do something when the school did you go to the school services she says i don't want to i don't want to have a, a reading person working with my student she goes my daughter my son i want i want the teacher working with the my son and i just was you know this attitude of that you know you can demand things from a teacher instead of looking at what kind of supports available but yeah it's always a teacher's fault and that student is customers wrong because other than for river rafting for example right <laughs> where somebody has to work when they pay money. You know, when does do we expect production from customers? When is that a normal natural thing? It's I'm more of a manager where I have to get production from a team of people, a group of people. It's a terrible analogy. Yeah, yeah. What's the, what's the contract? What are the expectations? It's, but it's it's a, it's a terrible thing of um changing everything because it means dealing with the unmotivated student is that I am expected to motivate the student and I'm responsible for their not being motivated, right? And they're the customer. We have to meet their needs. We have to keep them happy. And that's wrong. That's wrong because sometimes you have to make the student unhappy. I know I had a couple of professors and teachers who scolded me, put me in my place, told me that I had done subpar work, and that was beneficial for me. So, yeah. This student is customer thing means that I'm limited in my ability to really educate and work with the 
non-socialized student, right? Because you're not allowed to correct the non-socialized student. You're not allowed yeah, to... It's keep... very, very closely connected with the, the, the student as customer concept, very closely connected with what we talked about earlier, just mentioned very briefly, though. The, um, <clears throat> the uh, one motivator that we've got is you know, the, the power to fail yes i mean the ability to fail a student is like when when failure when when uh, is taken away as as an option or just like you know what 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 can the what does the teacher have the teacher really doesn't have anything when you're expected to pass every student um what what upside is there for the student to do anything if they know they're going to pass anyway then what what's what's the rationale what is that what what happens there how do you do that well, fortunately, I don't work at schools like that anymore, but I did. Yeah, and yeah. I remember we had I had a, 23 students in a class who just basically told me, we know you can't fail us. Mm-hmm. Right? And what what could I do at that point? The power relationship had shifted. They knew that they could go complain about the teacher, right? Any little thing. You know, I think you've pointed this out, Tony, where you said that when um, on teacher evaluation, student evaluation of teachers, there's that question, does the teacher start the class on time? Mm. That's a spy question, right? I think Mm. is as you pointed it out. So when I'm dealing or when we're dealing with prom students, it's a much larger problem. It first appears to be just a one-to-one situation, but a lot of it's dependent on the culture at the school how committed the school is actually to education and standards, how much support they give a teacher. And you have to find these things out when trying to decide what's the best way to deal with a student. But I don't know. It's a complicated situation. The school culture thing is huge. And I I just wrote it down for something to talk about in the future because that uh, Mm. really does infuse and it affects what we do our in our class our classes so so deeply and in a lot of ways that a lot of times we're completely unaware of and you know we we, we walk out and we we're scratching our heads and wondering you know why is it this way or why is this place why is this class this way why is this one that way um that uh there's all in in the students universe there are so many other factors that are completely invisible, especially especially to the part-time teachers. Uh, you know, maybe mm. a school only one day a week walks in and it's this, this place and this set of rules, and you go to another place, another set of rules, and they're so incredibly different uh, that that school culture affects uh, things in so many different ways. It, specifically, you know, we're talking about here about how those. Um, again on pc term um problem students are dealt with um and you know and listening to us talk about this stuff it's yeah we you know there's there's no silver bullet um it's a lot of it depends on the on, on what you've got you know and your own abilities and what the skills you've got for for finessing uh different kinds of problems different kinds of individuals whatever you know social um, you know, tricks in the bag that you've got, but so much of that is outside of your control. Is that there's big, big individual differences from student to student. Um, the school itself, you know, what kind of support network it may or may not have. What's the attitude of the administration toward the teachers? Their ability to deal with problems. Their their attitude toward the students. You know, do they see their students as customers or are they? You know, hanging on to some integrity as an academic institution, an educational institution, um, 
all those things and uh, again also with the ind- individual problem that the student might have or that the teacher might have um there's no recipe for solution here i don't think um it's one of those it's kind of those walking on water things that we talked about it's like you really have to uh kind of do a magic trick it's a, it's, a, it's a tall order you know when you when you run up against one of these kids that um sometimes it's pretty easy you know like you you know you you, you confront them and you talk about it or you give them a an easy option to to finish the course and not poison the rest of the kids in the class um sometimes it's not so easy and it's we're sometimes we're asked to do things that are way way beyond our abilities and our you know capabilities um you know, we're not psychiatrists we're not psychologists we're not social workers we're not therapists we're not doctors uh yeah um yeah exactly I, I... subject and verb <laughs> <laughs> when how where when when does that you know where the it, where does it stop yeah I, well with the school we worked at there was one student when i was there and you were there and i remember i went to some people and i said I have the student two times or three times a week, actually. And I said, I am not properly trained to work with a student with a learning disability. It's not that I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a social worker. It's I have not had any training working with learning disability students. And that was an example of a school that just said, go ahead and just do it. And there are other schools that would provide support. And I think this is most important probably for people who are starting out teaching in Japan or have only been here for a few years. It's really hard to understand what niche the school defines themselves as filling. I uh-huh. think, right? Yeah, that very, there, yeah, yeah, It's yeah, a very important selling. thing that there are some selling. schools that say, right, we are the elite, we are the top, and that's the niche we're going to follow. And there are other schools that have been successful by being lower down the food chain and fulfilling a certain place. And what's important is that the teachers, the administrators, and the students all understand that and have their expectations attuned to that level. And you can often find yourself expecting more or demanding more from students than that they were that then part of the kind of social contract they signed. Hmm. But I think the longer you've been here, the more you realize that and the more you can fine tune and tweak, <clears throat> excuse me, you're teaching to that level, but it's a hard one. I think if there's, if there's any like overall thing that you, that, that might be helpful, it might be to, you know, in this kind of situation, you really have to lean on your peers um, your colleagues and your, your coworkers, other teachers and things, and really, you know, sit there, you know, quite honestly, say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm up against a hard one here. I need some help. What, what have you done? You know, what's your experience? What, what's worked for you? What's, what hasn't worked? Um, this is my situation. I don't know what the heck to do. Um, yeah, gonna, uh, there, there's no, there's no answer book, right? It's, it's, it's all just. Each time it happens, it's, it's unique, and it's. There's no, there's no set answer. You, it's you got to do it yourself. You got to make it yourself. And here's an important thing too that I, I do is there's no shame in saying I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this situation. Oh yeah, you don't be scared to that. say that. <laughs> you got to get past that. I've got get past that because <laughs> oh yeah. I, I mean, 
I've walked into a group of teachers and said, hey, you guys, I got a question. I just totally failed on this. And the shock on the other teacher's faces that somebody would come in and say, I don't know what to do. Because pretty much every time you sit in the teacher classroom, right, most of the time is everybody knows what to do. Yeah, we're all hot shots. We're all yeah, we're all <laughs> we're, we're all, all aces top guns. Here. We're all top guns. <laughs> we're all top guns, right? I'm the best pilot in the world here, and I just I just after a number of years just said hell with that, you know. I've come in and I said, look, you know, I did this. Do you guys got any suggestions or advice? And I tend to get really really good advice, and I can see some of the other people smirking and saying, "Hi, he doesn't know what to do," and I don't care anymore. That's not my job. Is not to impress the other teachers. My job is to teach, and most of the time, the other teachers are really, really helpful. Yeah, that's my, my experience. I, I there's some that smirk. I haven't right? seen much of the smirking, but not too much. No, but I, I've some. been I've been amazed at how helpful people yeah. and how they'll bend over backwards to give you a hand. And they'll then after, very helpful. Yeah, and after you do that, the next time you walk into the teacher's room, you hear people actually talking because everyone's kind of scared to be the first person to say, sure. "I don't know." Yeah, yeah. Because we're taught that, right? We're taught to always know. We're always taught to be the most competent, to be the ace, right? Yeah. Instead of to say, hey, you know, I don't know. I had this problem. I don't know how to do it. Does anybody or here? You know, I was working on this activity. Can you guys help me tweak this, improve it? I think that that's something that has to occur a lot more. I would make, yeah. you know, instead of having all these conferences and meetings where people tell us, things so we should have meetings where everybody brings in a material and says this is a material i'd like to tweak can you help me or here's a problem i'm having can you help me solve this problem much more valuable i think Mm. than the standard conference or meeting model in my opinion at least Mm. but i think we're kind of getting to that one hour plus point tony yeah 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 and and it's yeah no surprise because this is one of those things where there's just a infinite number of Meanderings. Problems and possibilities <laughs> and and traps and things ways to go wrong and it just it's never ending. Right. Never ending. And the other, the main takeaway is that use as many resources as possible. Talk to the student, find out if there's a cause for something. Don't assume that the behavior you're getting is directly a response or reaction to you. But if you find out that it is, <laughs> then you have to. Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah. The big two big things right there. One, it, it may have nothing to do with you. It may have everything to do with you. And, <laughs> and that brings, it's really good to figure that out. Yeah, that's a very important thing because a lot of times it has nothing to do with you. But it also does bring up the point that we have to t- have an episode on this is chemistry and dynamics. Yeah. Yeah, you know sure this whole thing of chemistry, where for some odd reason things work magically with a group of students, and as I said before, with my other class, where I don't feel I could do anything right. That's yeah, a great you get one. Those, you get those. You get those. And yeah, it's and yeah, <laughs> you get those. That's what I say. Yeah, I think that's the name of the episode. You get those. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think that's enough for today. This is Charles yeah. Wiz, somewhere in Osaka again. Yeah, I think I'm Tony Silva. You still think so? Okay, yeah. and this is two teachers talking. Or are we three com? teachers talking now? We should be three teachers talking. We're two tired teachers talking. Two tired, <laughs> two, two tired, two tirading teachers talking. <laughs> it's two teachers talking dot com podcast is two teachers talking. You can reach us at two teachers talking at gmail dot com and, and Skype also at yeah. Wait for it. Wait two for teachers it. talking. Hey, is there a pattern here? Okay. Okay. Well, consistency. Consistency is the hobgoblin of small minds.
There we go. Okay. And, and who's on, better can speak to that than, than we? On that note, Tony, have a nice week or two okay, weeks. Sleep with cheese. What does that mean? <laughs> Duerme con queso. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cultural illusion I missed. Uh, Cinco de Mayo, little Espanol. Okay. All right. So I'm going to sleep with cheese? I don't think so. Okay, Tony, be well. <laughs>